Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Free Basketball. I am your host, Ryan Meadows. I am joined by one Mr. Daniel Greer. How are you, sir? Good, man. Making me a stiff one, boys. The other person, the uh, guest that we have been teasing about for two weeks, Mr. Wildcard himself, Cody Holsey, has finally joined us on the locker room. Hello, sir. How have you been? Hello. I have been fantastic. Um, how have you boys been? We've been all right. We've been doing okay. What has yeah. your past two weeks been like? Um, some of it's been work stuff. I was in a car accident. You know, I mean, I'm fine. Let me just throw that out there. I'm okay. But uh, car accident? Yeah, no injuries what happened? Or like that. T- vehicle totaled. Ice. No good. Don't just don't don't drive in it. Don't be around it. It's all bullshit. Just stay home and just avoid ice at all costs, no matter what. Yeah, just yeah, just avoid it at all. Like, don't even put it in your drink. <laughs> You've just done an ice boycott, and it's yeah, not I mean, the not the government Star ice. Wars, if you've seen Star Wars, Anakin really doesn't like sand. I don't like ice. <laughs> what a great segue into our episode tonight, Cody. I have mm-hmm. to ask you. You have been working an awful lot. You've had to cover for people, right? Or some people out with yeah, I mean, different corona or just or just different stuff going on. You know, things here and there. People get sick. You know, not necessarily corona related, but gotcha. So it's nice to have you back. I guess the first thing I should even ask you um, is: Have you been able to enjoy any basketball at all? I have from time to time, um, not on a daily basis but you know the internet is a great thing i have used that to keep up with it i have also uh used some just late night catch the west coast game sometimes late at night when i'm home watch a couple nice. last night celtic sixers and the suns and the um rockets so we're expecting big things from you tonight because tonight we are going to do the first quarter of the season review I know mm-hmm. technically it's supposed to be 18 games, but um, a lot of teams are at 16, thir- anywhere from 13 to 16. And if they're at 13, it's because they've had games canceled or uh, rescheduled mm-hmm. or pushed off to a later date. So we figured we'd go ahead and do this first season review since most teams are at 15 to 16 range. So first off, I want to ask you, Cody, put you on the spot right away. What was one thing from these first 18 games? Could be a team, could be a player. Um, it could be a generalization about the league. What has stuck out to you to the, the most about this first quarter of the season? Um, that Chris Paul is not washed and that he continues to make people better and just like is all around still very effective as, at basketball. That has been really surprising to me. You just keep it. You're expecting him to fall off the cliff, and he just has not yet at 35 or 36 years old. Yeah. Like, just like, I just keep waiting for, like, Chris Paul to be like, oh, yeah, like, I'm okay, but I'm not great. And, like, he just still is really good. Like, even though his shooting numbers are down and stuff like that, like, he still is like, the Suns are really good, and he's obviously a big part of that. Well, they're eight and five overall, six and three in the West, which is good enough for fourth, I believe, right now. Mm-hmm. And he, so you truly believe that they've been six and four in their last 10, but they're three and one at home, five and four and away. But you truly believe just the addition of Chris Paul has really turned this into a high seed playoff um, team? Or do you think it's more about the younger guys around the perimeter getting better? And just adding Chris Paul as that steady veteran leadership to it propelled. Well, I think the Chris Paul leadership thing definitely has something to do with it because you have a bunch of players who, like, very talented. But, like, if you just, like, watch over the past few years, there's definitely, like, a little bit of, like, maturity left to be desired. And it just feels like Chris Paul shows up and everyone all of a sudden is, like, a real adult and, like, they're there to like play basketball and win games just from like what I've seen. Like it just, I don't know. Overall, I've been much more impressed with like watching the Suns this year than I ever have been. And I don't know. It just feels like they play with like a purpose 
And it, that's just okay. something that, like it's kind of an intangible thing, but it's something that I have not seen from them before and felt great about in years. So if Chris Paul were to happen to come down with one of these old man injuries, like his hamstring again, would you still feel good about the Suns being an actual playoff team? Or does Chris Paul need to be there and play throughout the season? I mean, even if Chris Paul gets injured, he's still there. Like, it's not like if he gets injured, he's going to stop going to games and stuff like that. And I think just him being around is, like, a thing that's going to help them. Because, like, it's not like he's not going to be on the court and then all of a sudden, like, everyone on the team is like, oh, Chris is injured. We don't have to take this seriously. Like, they're still going to get yelled at by him over on the sideline and stuff like that. So... (laughs) you might as well do your thing and actually like win basketball games and like continue to play hard and his leadership won't go away just because he's not necessarily on the court if he doesn't hurt. But for right now he's there and he's kicking ass. Yeah. I really like, um, because Devin Booker, obviously, you know, I've been a fan of Devin Booker and he was always that 25 to 28 point scores, but always on terrible teams, right? You are always calling him the classic good stats, bad team guy. Yep. His percentages, I mean, his scoring has dropped. He's averaging about 22 points a game right now. And he's shooting, you know, effective field goal percentage is over 50%. Um, His three-point percentage is not where I think he wants it to be. It's in the mid-30s. I think by the end of the season, he wants to be closer to 40. But he's still averaging 22 points a game. So it feels like a maturity thing for him. I don't know if that's because of the other team, his teammates are better, right. Than what he's had in the past, but he seems to be fine with, he knows late in the game that it's going to be him or Chris Paul probably. And he seems fine so far deferring to the others. And now they're an above 500 team with real aspirations at a five on up to a three seat. So, I mean, do you think Devin Booker has kind of grown or do you think there's a chance where he's just kind of cold at the beginning and he's going to try to take over more hero ball? I I definitely think it's probably more of like a growth, like, and just like more higher basketball IQ and like making the right play and stuff like that. I definitely think that, like, when you play with a guy like Chris Paul who does make the right basketball play all the time, like, I think some of that, like, is kind of contagious. And when they start pointing out, like, different things that they see, like, Chris Paul, like, some of his passing and stuff like that, like, just the way he sees the game, it's just different from other people. Um, like, just some of the stuff he does, like, is just incredible. Like, he's a great point guard. So I think, like, just yeah. being around that, like, just makes you better by default because you start to kind of see some of that stuff and, and like think that way. And like, even if you don't necessarily realize it, like Chris Paul is still directing you in ways that are like beneficial to you. Even if you're not necessarily, even if it's not necessarily like you act being aware of it, but I don't know. I just think that, I think that some of that is like the maturity thing and just like learning from veteran leadership and like, like they had a lot of play success in the bubble too and I think like carrying that on like really helps so yeah I would say that there's definitely some of that interesting Daniel let's bring you on now do you have any uh thoughts about the Phoenix Suns yeah they're um I guess their role players uh, are stepping up and that's what we talked about I want to say in our our team reviews and kind of team previews I guess early on in the our podcast and they're just playing a lot better. Uh, they're obviously not that great, uh, you know, and up to the level of the Memphis Grizzlies. So I completely understand, but most teams aren't. Um, and so on a Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, uh, you can't beat those uh, frisky Grizzlies. And so besides that, <laughs> I've been impressed with the uh, with the Suns. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, Mikael Bridges, like we said in our team previews, that if Mikael Bridges and Cameron Johnson really come through, like they're an actual for real playoff team. And that was a big if, right? But so far, those young guys have really shown out. And it's interesting to see because I don't know if 
Um, it does seem kind of like one injury away to Chris Paul thing where this might get kind of rough, but I also right. do believe in the other role players to keep this up. And I think the Suns are for real. So Cody, I think you make a great point about Chris Paul. Like, yeah, at his age, still averaging, you know, 14 points, eight assists, almost five rebounds. It's pretty remarkable for him. Um, and if he can go through the whole season at age 35 and like, who doesn't sign him to one-year deals to just change their franchise around? I know he just seems like a miracle worker for some teams. So that's a good point with Chris Paul. Now, Daniel, you're one thing that you've noticed through the first quarter of the season so far. What has stuck out to you? Yeah, so a lot of people, um, as always, are on the Zion hype train. And, and for good reason. Uh, Zion is a... Uh, is a social media star. He's a good dude. He's a very good player. He's a very good NBA player. But the New Orleans Pelicans are not constructed the right way. They're now trying to play better defense, and their offenses struggle because of it. They don't have a lot of role players that are stepping up. J.J. Redick has gone into witness protection, uh, wherever he might be. And so I don't think that this New Orleans Pelicans team is really what everybody hoped they would be. They're now 5-8. and eight. They're playing the Utah Jazz currently uh, tonight as we're watching the game. More than likely they're going to lose because the Jazz have played really well. That's my other surprising team this year. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm curious – if they have bigger problems, and I think the bigger problems are Brandon Ingram and Zion Williams. Williamson, sorry. Are they too much of the same type player? Can they actually be – can they coexist on the same team? Um, so there's more issues there, uh, even though I like the addition of Steven Adams, that, that I'm just curious how they fix these issues. And I don't know, you know, how they're going to fix them. And now they have Lonzo Ball in the trade market. So uh, I don't know your thoughts on that, but uh, I'm curious how they would fix that because a lot of people, even the NBA, have them on every single night, it seems. Yeah, it seems like they're getting about every um, national TV game that you can possibly give them. And I don't really get it because besides Zion, they're the – I don't, maybe it's too harsh to say the least fun to watch, but they're not fun at all to watch play. Um, exactly. Like, yeah, their defense is great. And I've always been skeptical on Brandon Ingram as a winning player, anyways. And I don't know how much of that is just situations he's been in. Like that Lakers team they started on, not great. LeBron was with him for, what, 20 games and said, I'm out, and then had them all traded. <laughs> <laughs> to get Anthony Davis. So I don't know what that says, really. Like, I feel like if Brandon Ingram was a guy that LeBron felt like he could win with, he would have tried to fight to keep him, wouldn't you think? Um, but maybe just Anthony Davis was too much of a prize that it didn't matter. Like, Brandon Ingram was the casualty of that. Oh, well. And well, Brandon last Ingram year, had I mean, those yeah. health problems, too. That's true. That's a good point. I completely for <laughs> forgot about that. He had those health issues that they're kind of. I guess trying to sell high on if they thought it was going to be a long-term issue. But, I mean, he made the all-star team this year, last year. He's not going to make it this year. Um, I, I'm with you, Daniel. I, the fit doesn't make sense. I'm not sure if the Pelicans are going to be aggressive in the trade market. I don't know if Eric Bledsoe is there, um, you know, past the – 40 or 50 game mark. The thing is, who's going to take him? Um, and J.J. Reddick seems to be like a dangling piece out there that they could, you know, tempt some other fringe playoff teams to be like, hey, he's available. What do you think? Um, so I'm not sure what's going on. Zion is still averaging 23 points, eight rebounds um, in 30 minutes of play, I think, or 32 minutes per game, which I think is the biggest shock to me, right? is not only that he's played 12 of these games, but he's played almost 33 minutes a game. So I don't know if just the load management part of it is over for him. Um, but obviously the biggest question, Mark Daniel, you'd say with Zion is, yes, he's 
an incredible freak of nature just physically. And the dunk he had the other night was absolutely ridiculous. Poor Chemezi Metu just might as well go ahead and retire. Um, Bad time. But the, but the defense is the issue with Zion, right? Is that why they have to play Steven Adams? Do you think that's why they went out and got Steven Adams? A hundred percent, because you have to put a big uh, player with him because he cannot guard well enough. But um, if it was me, I would probably not have done that. I would have took my chances to get a backup, a, a decent backup, that is undersized, and honestly, it's Jackson Hayes. It, he's on the team. He already backs up Stephen Adams, and so you just don't have Stephen Adams, um, and you have uh, Zion slide down to the five, and so they can play a smaller and faster, uh, I guess, a pace, of, a style of play, because right now, sometimes they look herky-jerky where they're slow, and when they get flying up and down the court, as they are literally doing right now, they are looking so much better. And that's really what they need to do is they need to focus on playing good defense, but also just trying to run you out of the gym. And if if their defense just sucks because of it, that's okay. But they have so many. They have J.J. Redick, who's a good shooter. Brandon Ingram's a good shooter. Zion is a freak of nature who is, at times, unguardable. Uh but you just, I think they need to take a different approach than Stan Van Gundy. I, I don't know if he's the right coach for this team because he is trying to make them play more defense. But I, I do see that they probably messed up with going Stephen Adams because that's, that, that's a slower pace of style that I don't think they really wanted to play in the end. Jackson Hayes is a yeah, hell of a watch. Uh, you're right about pace, Daniel. They are 26 in the league. That I mean they're barely crawling on offense, and of course they're 24th in the league in points scored. Um, their only saving grace is they're 10th in the league in defense. Um, but you, the interesting point I want to ask and follow up talking about Zion is, I feel like it's safe to already project that he will never really be a good. Um, maybe not individual defender is a bad, but maybe a bad team defender. Uh, because you're going, it seems like you're already kind of stuck with having to pair him with an actual rim protector with size. And I don't right. know of many NBA players that can not only protect the rim with size but also stretch the floor. I mean, there's a handful that might could do that. Anthony Davis is one. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, who not a great defender, obviously. Um, I wouldn't say he's a great rim protector, but he's someone who can stretch it as well. Miles Turner tries to do that. Um, so Stephen Adams is the fit for right now. And would you project long-term with Zion is that if someone's if they're going to ever be something with Zion, they're going to have to have a really strong defensive core around him that can also shoot, which is very which is extremely hard to find. Or is this would you just go strictly all offense like they tried to do last year and just outscore people? And if you just don't have it, then you don't have it that night. Yeah, I think you go small for sure, and I think you. Um you'd be one of the top five fastest teams in the league. Um, because in the end, you're, you're trying to take advantage of uh, Zion's athleticism. If you've seen the games when people play against him, when it's half-court ball, realistically, and, and I know Zion's great and all, but it's not really hard to play defense against him. Now, he will get by you at times and he'll catch an alley-oop at times and he'll do those flashy things and yes that'll equivalent uh you know probably 10 points throughout the night and they will be feel bigger than 10 points 100 percent. but the people that have played well against him the best is you play hard up against him and when he catches the ball you release from him and give him his three feet or so because then he will not back up against you. He will he will square up and face you. And at that point, he's going to try and take you 
100% of the time because he wants to get to the rim. He does not want to shoot. And so what that does is actually gives you a few feet and the actual first step that he has, it takes, it takes that away. And so you're able to play him a little bit better and a little bit easier of a, a style. And that happened to him in college because uh, he is a Duke player and I, and I watched him all through it. And one of the people who played well against them was Brandon Clark, who is a Gri- Grizzlies now, uh, when he was at Gonzaga. And so from then on, I started watching how people play him. And that will be how people end up playing him in this league. Some people figure it out. Some people don't. But that is the issue with him is in half court, you can kind of figure him out most of the time. But if he can get up and down, he is absolutely unstoppable because he is bigger than you and he can jump higher than you. And if you don't need him to shoot, then he will absolutely beat you night in, night out. So I think you have to get rid of Stephen Adams here. And if they want to get rid of J.J. Redick because of him being an expiring contract, then I, I say do it because this is not going to be a good year for them. Even if they make it to the, up to the seventh spot and they randomly get hot, that's still not doing great, right? That's not okay if you have pieces that you can sell off. So I think in the end, I think you try to see what you can get for J.J. Redick. If you get someone who really wants a big and can take the Stephen Adams contract and give you something in return, I think you even grabbed that as well. Holy cow, mm. that was a great play by Zion just now. <laughs> Cody? Cody, what are your thoughts about the Pelicans, if you have any? Do you want to um, add to the dialogue about Zion? I don't have too many thoughts about the Pelicans, to be perfectly honest. I have, as many uh, national TV games as they've had, I have not watched a ton of the Pelicans. I watched, like... You've just... I've seen a couple highlights here and there, but, like, I don't really have much. I don't have deep thoughts on the Pelicans yet. Gotcha. Just, it, you, but eventually, they'll be on TV, it seems like, 40 more times, so you'll yeah, catch no, one I'll definitely right? have, By next week, I'll have seen them four times on national TV. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, The thing I had that interests me is, um, this is kind of a nerdier whole league generalization. Um, but I like to keep track of the total points scored like for that week, like averages. Um, so I did an experiment last year. I think I told you guys about it where you did. I wanted to see how, because, you know, uh, gambling became legal in Tennessee just last year. And I was interested in how they figure out those total points and how they set the line. So I, I did this whole experiment with trying to figure out a formula. Pretty straightforward. You can come up with a lot of stuff. Um, but what I found out in my research was that I did a sample size for last year, last season, towards the end of the season, last couple months. And average total points scored in a game, in an average NBA game, is anywhere from 222 points to 224 points on average. Um, and so the thing that has interested me about the season so far, I've been keeping it track week by week so far. Week one started off super fast and above a little bit above the average for an NBA game. Week one average points scored was 200 and almost 26 points per game. Week two, that fell off six points to 220 points per game. Week three went to 223, so right at average for NBA games. And then last week, week four, it fell off a cliff. Scores were now barely getting total points average at 215 points per game. And so far in week five, it looks like it's going to be right at the 220, maybe less mark. So I tried to figure out why week four was like that and if that's going to be a trend because it seems like with the shortened offseason that we had, I mean, the Lakers had, what, 70 days before they had to turn around and play um, on Christmas Day. Uh, so I was just trying to figure out, like, are teams just playing this sloppy? Why did it start so fast? Why is it falling off now? And usually the typical sentiment is, you know, defense gets better as the season goes along. 
as players play themselves into shape. So I thought, okay, week four, maybe players are playing themselves into shape, and that's why it's so low scoring. But it doesn't make sense because it's still eight to nine points off an t- average um, scoring total points NBA week. So I thought maybe it had to do with all these games being canceled and all these players being out. So that led me to believe that there is going to be this huge boom in points whenever all this COVID stuff, um, if players get back healthy and teams are back full, I'm curious if there's going to be a huge boom return back in points to like week one where it's almost 226 on average points per game. Because I feel like that's a betting opportunity. I know that's important to you, Daniel. Does that tease or tickle you at all? Do you think you could be playing a lot of total points overs here? I love getting tickled. Sorry, hold on, crap. I was off mute. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're uh, off mute. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love any time that I can feel like I'm getting one up on Vegas. I feel really good. The only issue is, is by the time the game ends, I feel terrible because Vegas beat me again. Uh, but no, I, I'm down with, with things like that because that makes sense. And if it makes sense, it usually doesn't come true. But I think that actually does make sense because there's a lot of stuff that's, it's kind of happening and taking place. But I, I just don't know if we can assume with all the COVID stuff happening that that's the reason. So I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I'm down with watching and seeing it and seeing if that works, but um, I don't know if that's actually going to affect it too much. But the blessing in disguise for my Grizzlies is they just got a week off pretty much, and I'm hoping they come back healthy. And maybe they will skyrocket with healthy players and hit the over. Yeah, that that was that's a great point that you make about if this is something that is going to go all season long, right? then it would be smarter to continue to smash the unders. Um, now, some of these lines have just gotten so low that it's almost ridiculous. Like, I think I saw some the other day that was like 208 and a half, and I don't remember seeing, a, like, a projected that low a score in half a decade for the NBA with the way they score now. And I think the game still went under. I mean, we've had some games where it was like 82 to 91, and – it's hard to project, right? Because that's just, that's gambling. That's Vegas. Um, but if, if teams are going to still struggle with Corona all season and health and safety protocols, then it stands to reason that we're going to continue to get super low scoring games, which I think hurts the league. Does it not Cody to have like, Oh, let me turn on this magic Knicks game. Maybe the first to break 90 wins. Well, two things. The Knicks are actually pretty fun to watch. And, (laughs) yeah, I mean, like, those low-scoring games aren't that fun. But, like, they're also kind of, like, different from what we're used to. So, I mean, I still think – I think, like, if you like basketball, you'll still watch it. But, I mean, there are definitely some people that will be like, eh, not enough threes. But some of those low-scoring, just, like, slugfests are fun to watch every now and then. They're definitely not fun to watch all the time, but – from time to time, yeah, they they scratch the itch. Well, let let me ask both of you then. Would be the better play would be to wait till we get to the playoffs and then just start smashing overs on that, or do you think Vegas is too smart for that? They'll figure those lines out and they're going to be artificially higher anyways. Because if we have playoffs. We just assume that everyone's going to be healthy. I don't know if there's plans to do a bubble at all. They might have to with the way it's going right now to cut everyone off again. But um, or does that make logical sense to do that? What do you guys think? Well, usually playoff basketball is less scoring, honestly, because it's better defense. And so, no, I don't believe that's the way to go. Um Okay. I think what you do is, betting-wise, I think you look at some of these teams uh, that don't play defense, such as uh, the Nets 
the Cavs, and I think that's when you have your chance to hit the uh, you know overs. But for the most part, um, I, I try to stay away from that because you don't really know what you're going to get night in, night out. Like right now, uh, New Orleans and Utah are way over pace uh, in the second quarter, and they're all probably on pace to score 115 each. And usually Utah is a better, you know, team, you know, defensive-wise. And, and Pelicans have been this year. So I don't know what we're getting. And that's why I've kind of stayed away from a little bit of the NBA because night in, night out, it's been crazy. And it's not even due to COVID sometimes. It's, it's been a crazy year so far. That's a good point. I just thought it was – that was the thing that I noticed because I'm a nerd. So I, I will continue to keep up with it. And maybe eventually I might – Test it out. Test the theory out and see if I can catch some breaks on it. So I'll have to let you know how this goes. But let's move into the next 18 games, the second quarter here. Cody, I'm going to go with you first. Let's do a little predictions here. For the next 18 games, what is something you predict? Could be a player. Could be a team. um, Could be something else completely entirely different. Uh, but what what is your prediction, something that will happen in the next quarter, the next 18 games of the NBA season? Hello? Oh, whoops, sorry. Okay. Right, I'm still learning, still learning how this works. Um, old, old man vibes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I just, just put my – after I get done. <laughs> out so I can get across the room. Ethan, uh, in the discussions, <laughs> um, can we get a dumb button for Cody over here? Oh! oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what was your question? I was distracted <laughs> by Daniel. <laughs> your, the next 18 games, the second quarter, what's a prediction that Uh-oh. you make for it? I predict that we still will not know what the Nets look like with Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. I bet that the three of them will have like somehow not played a game together within the next eighteen games. They just played a game so, together. I said within the next eighteen. Games. No, uh, that is true. Got no, me. Got true. me on technicality. So when you're talking about uh, don't know what they'll be, that means that they will have games like the Bucks where they win, and you're like, oh my gosh, like. Of course, we should have known this ha- this would happen. And then right. they have, like they did last night against the Cavs, where they lose in double overtime. So we're just not going to know for sure, like, okay, this team is this. We know X about yeah. this team. It's always going to be like they have two great games, they have three clunkers, or vice versa. All I know is I would rather have Jared Allen than DeAndre Jordan. Well, let me ask you about the Nets since you talked about them. Do you like personally the fit of Harden, KD, and Kyrie? Do you believe in it as a team that could make – not they're going to make the playoffs, but yeah. could make the Eastern Conference Finals or the Finals? I mean, defensively, I have some questions because there's two guys on that team that I don't know that I've seen play a reasonable amount of defense in recent memory. But – um like they're all really good like the problem with james harden is that like in a playoff game like he's not the guy to close it out but he doesn't really have to be on this team with these other two guys because you know kevin durant should be the de facto guy that closes out games but you do have kyrie irving who is also capable of doing so um and, like, you know, from an offensive perspective, is really excellent. So, like, that kind of solves that problem for James Harden. And James Harden can shoulder a lot of the load prior to that, too. I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I, I really don't know how it's going to turn out. There's obviously potential for it to be really incredible. But, like, I can also see it being terrible, too. And it just not working out with, like, personalities and everything. But that remains to be – I mean, they may just figure it out. And they – Three of them may love each other and think it's the best time they've ever had playing basketball. On the uh, line of it not working out, would you say that's strictly on or in the locker room where they have issues with each other? Or do you think it's truly some sort of uh, fit that they don't have actually on the court? 
No, I def- I mean, I just, I just think like all those guys are really high usage players. So I just would be, I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I think that that's an interesting uh, dynamic that they'll have to like figure out. But also, they're all really high level, like intelligent basketball players. So I can't imagine that they wouldn't be able to figure it out. Well, if you look at the first game they played together that you definitely missed, um, it was James Harden <laughs> taken back uh, a little bit. And I think through the first almost half, I looked on there, and he only had two points, um, four or five assists, and a couple of rebounds. So he was definitely the guy taking the step back and saying, Kyrie, welcome back. Uh, you had your birthday party fun. Uh, COVID, you know, got his COVID cake, but he definitely was the guy who kind of took the step back and allowed Kyrie to kind of have his team back. Uh, and in the end, uh, James Harden, you know, filled the box score and he hit for a triple double, won me $150. And I think he (laughs) will be the guy who has to, (laughs) to make the, the, the different pieces work. Because James Harden can kind of handle the ball and shoot. Uh, uh, Katie doesn't really want the ball all the time, but he's the one-on-one guy. Kyrie needs the ball to kind of create the offense and kind of create his game. He needs a lot of dribbles. So I think James Harden is the difference maker, and he's the go-between guy who can kind of do different things. But in the end, I see that Harden is the spot-up shooter, KD is the bucket getter, and Kyrie is the uh, kind of the the offensive generator, I guess. And so, I, if, if they go that direction, I think they'll all be uh, perfectly fine with the way they uh, run their run their offense. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think people are missing with Harden, right? Is they're like, oh, can someone sacrifice? Blah blah blah. Who's going to do it? Who's going to be okay with taking a back seat? And um. Harden did that for, you know, the beginning of his career with the Thunder. So he has done that before. And I think that's okay for them going into the playoffs because he is used to that role in the past and he is more passive in the playoffs anyway. So he can sit back, pick and choose his spots and just feed the ball and drive. So, I could see him having trajectory of, you know, high assist totals. Like some games he'll have 14 to 16 assists and, you know, 15 to 18 points. And I actually think he's okay with that because he seems super happy right now. And I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm a believer in the Brooklyn Nets. The issue is obviously they play a big team like the Cavs. They're just going to get absolutely pounded on the boards. And there's nothing they can really do about it right now. So we talked about last week, Daniel, about them being the buyout candidates team. So I'll be interested who will be signed because they're definitely signing somebody to either take care of perimeter defense or a guy that can actually uh, defensive rebound for them. It's going to be weird when they have Andre Drummond. You think they go after that game they just played against him? Like, gotta have, gotta have it. Can't beat him. Join him. Prevent us. <laughs> now, Daniel, your one prediction for the next eighteen games. What is something that you see happening? I look at my crystal ball, and boy, is it crystal clear! It is. Explosive. You wanted to be tickled. Are you? Oh, are you Lance oh. Armstrong? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I'm lost. But you can tell me later. <laughs> oh, you can slide my DMs and tell me. Mike Collins hey. for a floater. Uh, all right. So I see on that transition of Mike Conley, my Grizzle Dizzles being a solid off team halfway through the season. They are now rolling five in a row. The league was sent an email from the Blazers saying that they did not want to face these Grizzlies that are so feisty. So they needed a COVID check. And so now they're off for three games. And so when they come back, the the tide was going to continue to turn because Jaron Jackson Jr. will soon be back. And then they're going to get Justice Winslow back. And then they're going to be 
fully healthy and they have not been fully healthy the whole year and they're still over 500 right now they are seventh i do believe in the um in the west one game out of fourth just to be honest right with that so these grizzlies are taking the league by storm and there's no tanking for john morant and they're going to be a playoff team 2021 book it dano I can't believe. <laughs> so you just eighteen games. They're just going to make the playoffs. They don't even have to play the final thirty-six games. No, they're going to play them. They're going to impress you even more. <laughs> That's the prediction Look, for you know the I next love the quarter of the season. <laughs> uh, Got to hold on I, to that you one. You know I love the Grizzlies, and. You know, Triple J's coming back, and JV obviously is in health and safety protocols. <sighs> what is a realistic, like, are you talking about they're going to be make the playoffs in the play-in part of it, or do you think they're a solid 8-6 to six seed? Oh, I, I for sure think they're an 8-6 to six seed. Um, if you look at who's on their uh, who's on their schedule, right? Not Sorry, not even on the schedule, in the standings. You have Portland above them in the sixth seed. They are 100% going to fall. C.J. McCollum is the reason they've been winning most of these games. He's playing out of his mind. He's being very, very good. He's MVP-type candidate. Like He's playing that well. Well, you have him out. They're not even looking at him for a month. So for the next four weeks, they are letting him uh, recover any surgeries he's having. And then they're going to look at him after a month. That's not him coming back. They're, that's when they're going to evaluate him again. Nurkic is out two months already. So that is a long time to be without players. And you look from the top to the bottom, Lakers, Clippers, Utah, Phoenix are all solid four. The rest can, can maneuver one way or another. The Golden State Warriors have been very healthy. And they are now eight and six, and so they they're, they're playing better now that Draymond Green came back. But Portland could fall. San Antonio has not looked good. Uh, they just lost. I think it was last night. Dallas has not looked good when Porzingis came back. Denver, who is a very good team, only has one good player right now. There's no bubble uh, Jamal Murray right now. He is not. He is either uh, Jekyll or Hyde. Jekyll or Hyde? Yeah, Hyde or Jekyll? Jekyll, Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> yeah, that guy. OKC's going to fall. <laughs> New Orleans doesn't look good. Sacramento's not good. Houston's not good. Minnesota's not good. Put the Memphis Grizzlies in the playoffs. They are a top eight team for sure. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that I would argue with you about, right, is – I feel like Dallas and Denver are going to come on. And the Warriors are sitting in fifth right now. I don't expect them to stay there. But I think you make a great point about the Blazers. And the Suns could easily fall off too. So I expect Dallas and Denver to climb. Um, Now, are are they going to be sitting in the four fifty by the end of the season? I think that's very certainly possible. It's still very, very early. And we're talking about the first 18 games here. So this thing could look completely different. But I'm with you. Like, the Grizzlies keep on the track that they're on with Triple J coming back. Like, this could be a six seed that avoids the play-in altogether. And I think that would be super fun. Um, I mean, if that ended right now, they'd be playing the Clippers first round as a seventh seed. But if they got in that six seed, they're playing the Jazz. I feel like they can play with the Jazz. Um, I know it's way too soon to talk about matchups, but Woo. like it does, it does feel like this Grizzlies team could be a solid six team if they can avoid even more injury bug for Jaw and Triple D, Triple J. So I am a hundred percent with you on that. I think the Grizz are for real. Everyone wrote them off <clears throat> after last season's surprise. Um, and here they are again, fighting through what was a very stu- tough start with Jaw getting injured. And they've weathered the storm, and now we're going to get everybody back together. And I think this train's going to keep on moving. So I think that's a good prediction for the Grizzlies. 
My prediction is about a team as well, and we can close with this. This is a team that is currently bad, that I don't think is as bad as their record says they are. And I think they will actually, in the next 18 games, I think they will make a run here and have a very good next 18 games, something like 18 and or uh, 12 and 6 or something like that in the next 18 games. Um, but I think the Toronto Raptors in the next 18 games will be an above 500 team. And I just believe that they are a better team than what their record says. They have had one of the hardest transitions from the bubble. They can't live in their home of Toronto. They're living, every game for them is basically a road game playing in um, Tampa Bay. So this is a team that's going to play a road game almost every single game this season. And I think they've just had a rough start, and I'm a believer in them. I, I think they're just too veteran to be this bad. The only caveat is if they do happen to stay this bad, are they going to blow it up? And if they do that, then sure, they'll stay at the bottom. But the way this roster is constructed, yes, they start poorly on defense. They don't have the centers anymore to anchor, but I think they will adjust. Chris Boucher is coming on for them, has been a surprise this season. So what do you guys think about that? I don't think it's going to happen, but I like the moxie of the take. (laughs) So you're impressed more with the confidence of it instead of the actual legitimacy of it actually happening. Yeah, I just think their defensive problems are just too great. I I think they're tough to overcome. Like, the East actually did get better. So, mm. I don't know. I Daniel, time what do you that. think? Yeah, I think they're too small, just in general. And if you look at their defense, they're middle of the pack in the East. I want to say they're uh, letting 115 points per game, uh, close to it. They're not, they're not good. Pascal Siakam is often their best scorer on the team. That's not good. Um Kyle Lowry, he looks okay, but Kyle Lowry is still Kyle Lowry. He's a little kind of inflated. Uh, Some people think that he's much better than he actually is. Uh, And so I'm not not a big fan of Kyle Lowry. He's he's okay. They paid probably Fred Van Vliet too much. Um, I haven't heard of him much at all this season. He's played well, but not not that great. So there's no backline defense. In the end, this team has played terrible, but they've been healthy. Imagine if they weren't healthy, how bad they would be. So I, I think that this take is the worst all night. <laughs> well, I uh, they are middle of the pack in offensive read. They are middle of the pack in offensive rating, defensive rating. So I'm just going to side on that they get used to living in Tampa. They adjust finally, takes them a month to get going, and they go on a little bit of a run here, and then people in the next two or three weeks are going to be like, oh, yeah, remember the Raptors when we thought they were dead? Yeah, this is a veteran-savvy team who's not going to give up, and why did we doubt them? So I, I'm going to side on, with Nick Nurse on, and the on. vets. Who are the vets on this team? Kyle Lowry? Kyle Lowry? Yeah, okay. Pascal Siakam? Is he a vet? Fred Van Vliet? They won an NBA championship. I'm going to say they're vets. No, they're not vets. You get vet status when you win an NBA and you are a part of it. Okay, cool. They won won an NBA That's what I said. They weren't the the main, like, player. No, no, they're – okay, so they are veterans. But who who on the bench? Is there anybody on the bench that's a veteran? Anybody else? No. So they have three veterans? With OG Ananobi, Norman Powell. Is he a vet? Oh, so he won so he won a championship. He's a vet. He was on the team. <laughs> he didn't do anything, but he was on the team. He got a ring. Oh, he was salty as hell, bro. <laughs> I'm just saying. I've always been on the on the Raptors. 
you know what? You need to you need to still listen to me about the Raptors. They're not overseas in like some fries. <laughs> dad jokes. Dad. dad jokes all day. Um, I I just trust Nick Nurse. I trust the veterans. All <laughs> one of them, Kyle Lowry. <laughs> yeah, according, according to Daniel, you've got to. According to Daniel, you've got to play fourteen years in the league like Kyle Lowry before you're considered a veteran. Yeah, so, um, these guys yeah, have, you to, have to. I mean, you got to be Robert Ory's age before you're considered. All of, all of these guys have played major playoff games for the past three or four seasons. So I'm going to give them vet status, and I just believe in them. I don't think they're quitters. I would be surprised if Masai blew it up, but we'll see. So they have been playing mediocre offense, defense. I think they're going to catch some lucky breaks. They've lost a couple games recently at the buzzer. That's just luck. And with inferior teams – I think that would affect them mentally, and they would fold and give in. But I don't think this team is like that. So that's my prediction for the next 18 games. The Toronto Raptors will be an above 500 team, and people will all of a sudden be like, oh, yeah, we forgot about them, and I don't know why. So anything – Cody, you have anything to add? Yeah, yeah. I just think that I figured out when Daniel was talking about vets, I think he meant they don't have any veterinarians on the team. (laughs) I think that's what he was actually referring to there. So there's nobody that can, like, operate on a horse if one were to go down. (laughs) Or a dinosaur. (laughs) Anything to uh, plug, Daniel, before we go? All of our listeners. I I do, but let me uh, ask a question. Uh, Do you think anybody really kind of blows it up this year? It seems like there's some good teams that fell, such as the Raptors. There's a lot of teams that were not supposed to be good that have risen. There's nobody that's really terrible. Um, the Timberwolves have not looked great, and they're in the you know last place in the West. But there's a lot of uh, teams that are just kind of all hunkered together. I know it's early, and it potentially could work itself out. But do you think this is a weird year where there isn't anybody or any major teams besides you know outside of one or two? that blow it up this year and sell off everything? I That's the odd thing to kind of project, right, is if everybody's going to be pinching pennies. Um, I think ratings have really come back from what I remember from what they were last year. But the candidate that's a blow-it-up team candidate to me, that's the caveat with the Raptors. They could be a blow-it-up team. But the team that's blow-it-up to me is the Orlando Magic. And... I there's no other team in this league to me that needs to blow it up, save maybe the Pelicans. Um, but this is new for the Pelicans. I don't think they'll do that. The magic, it's time to call it, call it what it is. Like you are going nowhere. You've got two of your top players out with injuries for the whole year. Aaron Gordon's doing nothing for you. Evan Fournier is a solid player, but he's not doing anything for you. Vucevic, solid player, but he's not doing anything for you. The Orlando Magic is the candidate team to me that I would monitor because they need to act- absolutely bomb this this uh, roster and sell it off. Is that a team that you would you that you thought of? That isn't a team I thought of, and I, I like it. I think it's a great idea. Um, but I know that the team that is playing better, as such as the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think is 100% a team that needs to blow it up. Not for the simple fact of getting rid of all their good players, but actually looking at their uh, bottom line and looking at the players that they're paying the most to in Kevin Love and Andre Drummond and seeing that they now have Jared Allen, who needs to start alongside Colin Sexton to get those minutes. Um, and so I think they need to 100% get rid of Kevin Love and Andre Drummond this season, during the season. Get what you can back for them and move into the future. And they've been so hesitant. And with the way Colin Sexton's been playing lately, I hope that is the direction they go instead of the direction of we can make the playoffs this year with Andre Drummond and Kevin Love. 
and let them walk after the season or let Andre Drummond walk after the season. I just hope that they see the future and that we should get something back to help us keep the train going the right direction. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that is a perfect team. It's like you said, not a complete rebuild because it does seem like they have frisky guards, but their, their front court, um, that that's definitely something that needs to be addressed. Cody, did you have a team that would stick out to you for a blow it up team? No, it's definitely the magic. I mean, like they've been the same team for like, it seems like since I was in junior high and (laughs) yeah, like I feel like Aaron Gordon has been playing for the magic since I was in the eighth grade. It's been a minute. It's always like, and it's always like, just wait till next year. He's been working on his game. Like, yeah, great. He's been working this on guy's his game for 14 <laughs> years. <laughs> Feels like this hey, guy's yeah. 32, but he, yeah. he's probably only like 24, 25. That was all of Charles Barkley's career. Whoa, whoa. Maybe he's a slow developer. Give me- well, what's yeah, he going to develop? He's slow he's developing. Gonna do he's going to like – his his – Apex is going to be like the year that Carl Malone spent with the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like the Bruno Caboclo, the three years away from being three years away. It feels like that every year with Aaron Gordon. Yeah, oh, he, he's still two years away from being two years away. It's like Jesus, dude. When is this guy going to actually be something? Well, uh, in about yeah. four years. Every time you think about it. <laughs> well, let's wrap this up here. Uh, Daniel, you had something to plug. I'll let you go. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, um, follow the locker room on the locker room app. Uh, for sure. This is where we do it. Join us. We are live every, uh, Thursday at seven o'clock, except for this Thursday. Uh, we had to take a, a, a hot route real quick. We had, uh, life issues come up, uh, but also follow the lead at the lead SM. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniel Greer. Uh, but the most important thing I want to shout out is um, is this podcast that um, I'm now doing, kind of branching, not off, but branching a different direction. We're doing Grizzlies-centric uh, kind of podcast. Uh, we release them every Monday, and so we will be definitely doing a new guest each week, unless for some reason, you know, something happens. Uh, we'll have a new guest this week. We have a guy from uh, Locked On Grizzlies. Uh, he does a podcast over there. He's also uh, a contributor for the Grizzly Bear Blues. And he is going to join us, Sean Coleman. Uh, he's going to be over there. Good guy. Uh, and he goes uh, to a lot of the Grizzlies games. So he can kind of tell us a little bit of insight on the Grizzlies uh, firsthand. And so we have a good interview for that. Uh, but that is coming out this Monday. Uh, and then after that, we have a few more people that we have coming up uh, that I don't want to tell you just yet, but they are going to be very good. I'm going to try to get Cody on. I know we had Ryan, but I'm going to get Cody on and send Cody through clutch time and see if we can have some really good questions for him during that time. So, Cody, Ooh. your time's coming up through clutch time. Heard that. I was absolutely slandered in the last episode. As you for should saying be. I took for saying I took too long, and then your guest last week took three or four minutes longer than I did. <laughs> he did take a long time after he absolutely shat on you. He did it more than me, <laughs> but he said that he wasn't going to take a long time at all, and then he took longer. So yeah, I I, I loved him. He said I like to talk a lot. Screw you, Tim. Uh, <laughs> no, it's all love. It's all love. Love you, Tim. Uh, Cody, anything to plug? Nothing. Not at all. Just, you know, follow the podcast, follow the locker room, salt, all the same stuff that Daniel said. Salt your roads. Salt your roads and highways. Yeah, salt, salt your highways and byways. Get the snow Throw away your out. ice. Yeah, get rid of that. <laughs> get rid of that ice. Yeah. If you got a cup full of ice right now, dump that shit out. <laughs> Tell the world what you, uh, the new vehicle you got, though. I have a new 20, it's not new, it's used. It's a 2016 Chevrolet Colorado. And can you also tell us your license plate mm. number? Uh, I don't have one of those yet. <laughs> it's got drive-out tags on. Your social security What's, number, too? <laughs> yeah. 
what's the uh, what's the routing number to your bank account? Yeah, actually, uh, <laughs> let me go ahead and tell you. <laughs> uh, that's the uh, first bank of go fuck yourself. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, this this is a lot of fun. It was nice that we could all three actually be on. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we can all be on back again in our normal spot next Thursday because I think we might actually have people next Thursday again um, if we go if if we go at seven. So it's a lot of fun, guys. I don't have anything to plug really except follow us at Free Basketball Three on Twitter. This is where we're going to post these episodes. But yes, please. Um, I'm also on Twitter at rdmails11. But please, like and subscribe. Um, Spotify, iTunes for the episode. Download Locker Room so you can come and join us and you can talk live with us. Um, so it's a lot of fun. So thanks again, guys. I will see y'all next week.